0: Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Daily Koffee on Unsafe Space. Today is what Thursday, January thirtieth. I'm your host Carter Laren, and I'm joined by special guest host who has hosted before, uh, but not recently, Gracie West. Hey, Gracie.
1: Hi. How you doing?
0: i doing all right. Thank you. Um, how you How you been?
1: Oh, you know, busy as ever. But um, we have a lot to talk about when it comes to our kids' schooling. <laughs>
0: We do, unfortunately. They keep us busy. <laughs> yeah, I kind of wish that we didn't have so much to talk about with our kids' schooling, but here mm-hmm. we are. I know, the I wish. universe.
1: I wish school was as boring as it was when I
0: was there. <laughs> right? But, it was right? super boring. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, uh, I, Gracie, one of the reasons I wanted to have you host today is you posted a story on Facebook about something you're going through with your daughter. I don't. I don't want to divulge any information, so maybe you can tell people how old she is if you want to or, or what's going on, but let, let, why don't I let you recant what just happened?
1: Okay. Yeah, sure. So A my daughter-
0: not recant. That's the wrong word. <laughs>
1: <laughs> recount. Um, well, I'll do one of those.
0: <laughs> Fair. <laughs> yes. SJWs may want you to recant this after you've uh, right. said what you're going to say, but we'll see.
1: They'll give me an ultimatum on recounting. Recant. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my daughter is ten. She goes to public school. I mean, some of your viewers might be new since I have been on the show. So let me just restate something, Mike. Um, I have two kids. My older child is a boy. He's twelve. He's also white, um, and that seems to be really important lately. So I'll just you know mention that. And so anyway, my daughter is ten. She came home the other day from public school and said, so I learned in women's suffrage, I learned that women's suffrage um, was really violent and it was really scary to see these pictures of tubes being shoved down women's throats, like real pictures of women that wouldn't eat and so they shoved uh, tubes down their throat. And I was like, really? They showed you those pictures,
0: 10 year old? And she's like, yeah, it was really scary. Because that's super important for fifth graders to know or whatever.
1: Exactly. Because that one moment when that happened, yes. And so I said, did they... uh," And she told me a little bit about how the women were beaten in the streets and how only a few pathetic men would help them. And and then they took them to jail where there were all male prison guards. And I was like, wow, this is really um, anti-male and very violent sounding. I said, so did they tell you about the other 75 years of the women's suffrage movement? <laughs> and she's like, what? <laughs> she With
0: goes, seventy-five. What, what, what? what? Yeah. What,
1: what? Yeah, she goes, no, I thought it only went from, and she knew the dates. She goes, I thought it only went from 1916 to 1920, because women got the vote in 1920. Right. And I said, um, no, it was an 80-year movement. She's like, what? I go, yeah, much longer than four years, honey so they didn't tell you about the peaceful years the majority of the women's suffrage where women read books and women wrote books and women lobbied and did public speaking and no none of that got it okay so I told her about that and I said you know this the education system is possessed by an idea this idea doesn't want you to remember all of that work that women did, all of that really peaceful action and smart, intelligent discourse.
0: They I was gonna say argumentation, like not violence, but like rational argumentation for why they were correct.
1: Yeah, exactly. Reasoning, logic, you know. Yes. Putting forth some new concept <laughs> of women voting. And, and I said, you know, this um, this ideology, I actually I called it an idea with her. I said, this idea doesn't want women to remember the best part. Uh, They want you to remember the violent part. They want you to remember the scary part, the part that makes girls angry, because this idea wants women to be angry at men. This idea wants men and women to go to war with each other. She's like, why? I go, well, (laughs) they have a view of history that is just, it's unfortunate. And so I talked to her about how the best way to look at history is not a competition between the sexes, but actually a cooperative effort. And I said, you know, men and women had different roles. That's just the way it was historically, that women, for practical, pragmatic reasons, men and women had different roles. And men did the voting. So when women wanted to join that effort, that took a long time. It was, is, I said, it, it takes a long time to change long-held societal practices. It's not something that just happens overnight and it's a, when you make those kind of large-scale changes, it's hard for everybody, not just women, not not for just those women who had that one moment of having that thing happen that was violent. So we talked about the history and um, I said, well, okay, of what you did learn, what was your favorite part? Because right. I, <laughs> I was thinking like it had to be something good where you come away not feeling disgust, sadness, or anger, you know?
0: Wait, why did you think it had to be that? You know she goes to public school.
1: (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, I was hoping. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) So she said, "Um, I I think Elizabeth Cady Stanton was my favorite part. I said, why? She said, well, because she did the most. And I I said, you know, she's my favorite part, too. And it's not because... uh, she didn't do everything Susan B. Anthony did. She did. But she did it while raising seven children. And my daughter's jaw dropped. Like, she couldn't even believe that. And I said, you didn't know she had kids? No. Right. And, I, and I said, it's because this idea that possesses the universities and the educators, they don't want girls to remember that part of history. They don't want you to know that... Not only did Elizabeth Cady Stanton do all of this incredible work, but she also raised seven children. And I told her, You should never forget that she would not have been able to do all of that without the support of her husband, which she did have.
0: Right. I was gonna say she wasn't a single mom raising seven kids. She mm-hmm. was in a relationship with her husband who supported her.
1: Right. And he was he was great. And so but history, the way it's being taught to girls and boys too. They don't want that. They don't want you to remember that. Uh, They want you to have visual images of violence and victims, um, you know, women being victims, essentially. So, yeah,
0: it's it reminds me, Gracie, of. um, Well, a lot of things that you see, the intersectional social justice community, um, a lot a lot of and a lot of subjects, they do the same thing, where they, they pick a univariate cause for something or a univariate explanation, and that's it. And, um, you know, the, the pushback for women's suffrage was not always as clear-cut. Like, um, for a long time, a lot of the suffragettes made it very clear that they were going to outlaw alcohol immediately. And so there was pushback we don't know why, like some of the people may have been pushing back because they didn't want alcohol outlawed immediately, right?
1: Yes, exactly. In fact, I didn't get a chance to say that to my daughter, but I remembered this afterwards that many of the men who voted against women getting the right to vote was specifically because the suffrage... The subject their their campaign was based on we want the right to vote because we want to outlaw booze <laughs> they wanted to get rid of alcohol and men were like hell no you know right
0: they would have opposed other men having the right to vote if that was the result right i mean this was a it was not about necessarily gender
1: exactly so what they decided is okay eventually toward the end they realized we have to drop this idea of getting rid of alcohol because that's when they became successful because the idea was why would we let you vote if you're going to take away what we like you know and we see how well that went when it when it finally got voted right when uh, um what do they call it the uh, alcohol when they took it out prohibition
0: abolition.
1: prohibition I'm like not abolition yeah, yeah pro- prohibition it didn't go well and so
0: it went well that- for the kennedys but that's another story
1: <laughs> right <laughs> So yeah, they don't want girls and boys to hear a history that's true and accurate, which is, it, it isn't just that it's uncomfortable for, for society to say, yeah, let's do huge, vast sweeping changes with gender roles, but it's also what they were aiming at, which was clear, which was, we're going to get rid of alcohol. And two women's, um, I don't know if it's credit, but they, they were dealing with issues in the home some of them were dealing with being beaten when they had drunk husbands. This is something in their head was, oh, if we could just get rid of alcohol, then they wouldn't be drunk and then we wouldn't be beaten. Well, how do we get rid of alcohol? Well, the only way to do it is vote. So this is their logic, you know?
0: Right. And, so, and by the way, you can have empathy for women who are obviously in that situation. Like you you understand that logic. It doesn't mean it's a good idea to al- uh, alcohol, but you I get the path.
1: Right? Yeah, exactly. So but this is part of history. It doesn't matter if we agree with how they thought it doesn't matter with if we even agreed with their agenda. It just means we have to look at history as it stands and not judge it. And that's what I said to my daughter. I said, "It's a terrible idea to judge the past by our current standards. Um, we have to judge the past by their standards. And even if, and really, judging the past is not." Useful much except to say that those were bad ideas, maybe and I don't want to carry those into the future but when we think about history we have to put it into context and Not see it from our perspective and that's hard to do and these texts aren't even trying
0: I would say that the the SJW Inspired texts are not even not trying. They're intentionally trying to view history through um, a modern lens That's what they do. I think intentionally, right? Um, in fact, You know i think part of the correct me if i'm wrong but based on what i've seen with my daughter in school is um part of their argument is like is almost like um the the separation of roles gender roles is was some sort of artificially imposed thing by evil men it wasn't something that arises naturally from biology and we've kind of gotten to the point technologically and culturally where we can separate biological realities from actually how we want to live morally. Um, Instead, they make it sound like, well, there was never really any difference until the evil patriarchy came along and oppressed women with what? I don't know. Childbirth. Yeah,
1: right. It's it's really a fictional tale of this nebulous force called patriarchy. And what this is, is straight white Christian men getting together every Friday at two o'clock, and they talk about how to keep women down, and they sign papers, and they go and do it. I mean, this is almost right. how they imagine this happening.
0: <laughs> They're smoking cigars in the study, and uh, yeah, plotting yeah. how to make sure that women stay barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen.
1: Yeah, and, and this, this is why, as an ex-feminist, it's really, uh, I can see these types of conspiracies developing in other places now when people start talking about the Jews, you know, you're like, oh, like they're all getting together and they're like, let's do this thing. You know, it reminds me, it really reminds me of feminists getting together and they're like, and then men sat down and they were like, what can we do to destroy the world? You know, it's, it's such an obvious conspiracy that you just shake your head and go, how did this get into our history books?
0: The other weird thing about it to me is like you could only have that perspective. You can only afford to have that perspective if you're living in the lap of luxury relative to how everyone other human has lived in history. Like you need to really have a comfy, cushy life compared to how the rest of humans have lived throughout history in order to sit back and think, gee, uh, the, the segregated gender roles must have been because of some evil men like and some patriarchy. I mean, anyone who just looks at how historically humans evolved recognizes immediately that there's a biological reason why women are home with children and men are out. Like, yeah. that's, that's yeah. how sex works.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that's partly why they're trying to erase biology is because that's the strongest argument against this conspiracy theory of patriarchy is the strongest argument is biological and it explains history. Well, they don't like biology's explanation of history, so they don't like biology. They try their best to erase it. In fact, that's a lot of what's going on with uh, transgender stuff also. I don't want to get too detoured, because I did want to say another thing I was telling my daughter, which was, oh shoot, am I going to remember it? Had to do with historical perspective. Um, yeah, it'll come to me.
0: Well, I mean, you know, while you're thinking about that, you're reminding me of um, a conversation that we had with uh, Dr. Rachel Fulton Brown from the University of Chicago. And one of the points that she she was um, vilified for expressing any kind of appreciation for what she was kind of sarcastically calling the patriarchy. like she was she was expressing appreciation for the fact that, look, actually in the West, um women obtained suffrage through predominantly peaceful argumentation um, and men voluntarily gave up the quote patriarchal control um, by allowing women to vote mostly just through argumentation and convincing whereas you know there's still spots in society there's many countries in society where there still is not suffrage Mm -hmm. for women
1: right I mean there are definite um there are definite reasons why cultures try not to allow women to have certain abilities in society that men do, even in the modern age. So, you know, yes, we don't live back in the caveman times when men had to have very separate roles for very obvious reasons. Right. Uh, they had to go kill the monster outside while she tried to survive giving birth. Like this was just you know, reality. And that, right. that continued on for ages and ages. And, and it just kind of, as technology developed and even just the wheel developed, like, you know, these things change how people can live, change how they can survive. And so when, when, in, when technology increases and it just makes more sense that women would have access to certain, I don't even like calling it access because here's what I said to my daughter. And I think this is where I was headed with my thought that I had lost it's not really about access, it's, it's about, feminists like to imagine that unless, unless it's a male, historically male activity, it's not valuable. In other words, if it's a historically male activity, that's meaningful and important. So ironically, they like to say, oh, they wanna be all about women. They're, they're so anti-woman, it's unbelievable. I said to my daughter, you know, they don't value what women have done throughout history and time. And we got into this conversation because the very next day she came home for, after this conversation, she came home and said, so I was reading the rest of this book. And it said, women's suffrage is a way to make men less superior and women less inferior. And I said, <laughs> right.
0: she goes, I, th-, she goes, I the presupposition thought was- is that women are inferior.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and she goes, I thought that was strange so I wrote it down. And it's funny Carter because my daughter m- my kids, okay, they're 10 and 12. They go to public school. So they they are being indoctrinated, but they are also being indoctrinated at my house. And so every dinner, every night at dinner, we yep. sit down and we're like, "Let's talk about intersectionality. What is it?" You know, and they're young, but they're like hearing it from my perspective cuz I've been there, done that, and now I know why it's bad. So, We have these discussions and so my daughter comes home and tells me these things kind of like she doesn't know why they're it's a red flag but she recognizes a red flag so she'll talk to me about this like so my book said this and i'm like and i could see on her face like i don't really know what you're gonna say about it but i'm kind of curious and so we (laughs) so we have a conversation so she came home the other day and said well and then i was finishing this suffrage book and it said You know, the vote was a way of making men less superior, women less inferior. And I said, okay, do you think women have ever been inferior to men? And she goes, no. I said, me neither. So why do you think the authors of this book imagine that just because women were not doing what men were doing, they were inferior? She's like, I don't know. I go, isn't that odd? these women have a very low valuation of women and their activity in the world historically and now, don't they? And she's like, yeah. So I'm doing my own indoctrination because, well, we all indoctrinate our kids and I know they're getting it in school. I just want them to hear a resistance message that's so clear they know how to argue it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's actually that, um, it's not actually difficult. Like Once you present counter evidence, In my experience, kids tend to kind of catch on really quickly and be able to identify when there's there's something that's uh, a biased presentation of something. Right? My daughter brings home stuff all the time. She's got a book list for me of like here are the books that they're making us read and here's how ridiculous they are. Um, (laughs) But uh, it's only because we have similar conversations at the dinner table. Um, But you know, I'm you were touching on something that's bothered me a really long time, and um, I'm really glad you're bringing it up because. One of the things I despise most about the modern feminist movement is the devaluation of motherhood um, mm-hmm. and the role, the classical role of women. And that doesn't mean that I think every woman should be a mom. Yeah. Obviously, some women are, should be CEOs and they're great at it and that's what they should go do and, and whatever. But the idea that a woman who chooses to have children and stay home and raise them is somehow less valuable to some schmuck who's like made partner in his law firm and earning 300k a year like why is that valuable they've totally adopted the um they've they've adopted these very materialistic and also power-based measures of value in the world rather than um i think intrinsically more important measures like how well are you raising your children? What are you doing for the next generation? For how are you helping humanity progress? Are you raising a little tyrant or are you doing a great job to raise the next generation and populate the earth with people who are well-adjusted, moral and capable of, of you know, helping humanity progress?
1: Yeah, well, that's very generous of you, Carter, but they are not thinking about anyone but themselves. And that's what this idea wants you to do is it wants you to say, what can I get? i want power what does power look like well from their perspective power looks like money prestige public appearance um you know well well what do you call it fame fortune so that's how they've determined is what that's what they've determined success is so of course as you mentioned it is all about power they say it very explicitly it's a power struggle between men and women. It's a power struggle between black people and white people. And I reiterated with my daughter, it's a terrible idea to look at history and also the current state of affairs as a competition. It's important to see it as a mutual, dependent relationship. So when it comes to motherhood, that's way too sacrificial. I mean, they they despise children in all of the material you read with feminist studies, it's It's just basically the message is children really get in your way. And the sad thing is if you've been a mom or a parent, you know that's the actual, the the most meaningful thing you can ever do. It's the hardest. And I think that's part of it. They don't like the work. You know, it's too much responsibility.
0: Maybe. I'm wondering, you know, you, so totally about power. I get that. We both know that the social justice ideology is very uh, fixated on power. But, um you know mentioned something else um you mentioned fame and i'm wondering i i suddenly made this connection when you said that to uh kind of the narcissism that we see on social media with younger women um really wanting as many likes and shares of their selfies and that kind of stuff and i'm wondering if there's some kind of um relation there where it's really feeding into this uh, this narcissistic idea where well if i'm if i'm being a mom the world isn't giving me adulation constantly, and I'm not getting all of the the kind of praise that I narcissistically believe I deserve.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it could be. But I also think when you have kids, it's not about you. And if you're a narcissist or if you're power-hungry, that is really inconvenient. I mean, to not have the world revolving around you, that's hard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, And and the devaluation of motherhood is so insidious, because that is women's history.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And go ahead.
1: No, I mean, it just, it's women's history. And yes, they've done more than motherhood, but it's such, it's like 99 point something percent of women's history. And before the industrial revolution, that if you don't even take a look at history before that time period, you, you have you have no concept for why things were like they were when we needed to change things after technology increased, right?
0: Yep. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, it's, it's weird because, you know, we never hear about, um, I, I remember growing up, maybe this is just my own, you know, it's an anecdote. So maybe it's not representative of what everyone experienced, but I feel like when I was growing up and people were trying to, um, because there was a push to recognize the contributions of women a little bit more than I think there is authentically now. Um, I feel like the, the, the one of the ways that they would do it is, is talk about, well, yes, so-and-so man contributed X, Y, Z, but he was only able to do that because of his wife who was supportive in these ways and enabled this. And like, you know, provided him the time space energy and moral and emotional support in order to do xyz that you know um you hear about that sometimes with the founding fathers right and you hear this respect for the quote woman behind the man and i know that sounds um that phrase sounds like it's belittling her contribution but if you look historically i mean the human race would not have existed without women doing a good job of being moms
1: mm-hmm. right? i mean that's yeah. Well, they took their their supportive role very seriously. Christian, especially historically in Christian families, it was respected and respectable to be a submissive wife or even just to be a wife that would be praiseworthy. So you're not the nag. You're not the, you know, bring the guy down or give him a bad reputation. I mean, women actually took pride in almost like the guy was their um, external representation of how good they were doing. And I know that sounds belittling to us right now. But if you think about it historically, I mean, even in the biblical texts with the Hebrews and the Jewish people, the women took their communal status from having a male child and, and even just from having children in general. And so I remember judging that as a youth and talking about it in my current mindset. And my parents were saying, you know, it's easy to judge that. They even told me back then, they said, it's easy to judge that. But back then to them, that actually meant something and it was valuable to them. And I thought, oh, that's, it's, I guess you have to pause and think about what is valuable to them. And they, and they supported it. They strove for that. Women supported the patriarchy because they were part of it.
0: Right. And, and were, yeah. Yeah. It, the other thing that bothers me just as a guy, frankly, is the, um, The naive worship of the life of a man. Like, it's so great to get to go out and work your ass off every day and not see your kids. Like, that's not great. Like, I would rather, frankly, I would rather stay home. Um, in fact, I do. I do this show. I stay home. I spend time homeschooling my daughter. Like, I I have homeschooling, right? But I, I don't know why it's like... Is it a privilege that you could go work 80 hours a week at a law firm? Like, why is that such a great thing? It really belittles the amount of work, frankly, also that men put in historically, where they had to go um, often do much more risky work, especially, you know, now we do a lot of intellectual work. Everyone does, right? But, you know, a long time ago was much more physically risky. It was exhausting. They had they would die earlier. Um, all of this to support the family at home. And it's this kind of weird resentment where it's like, well, hey women, you don't get to do that. That's because the, the evil patriarchy is keeping you down in the home. And it's like, you know, it's kind of nice to not mm-hmm. have to do all that work. That work isn't everything it's cracked up to be. And I'm not saying it's worse than staying at the home. Like they're both equally valid important contributions that you have to make to raising a family. And I don't, I don't understand why we have to get in this mindset of like, this one's better than that one. And you should only like this one and that one's bad. And we ignore this. And like, yeah, Yeah. both of these are all part of a whole.
1: Exactly. I mean, we, we are in a strange time in history because humans need meaning, right? Men used to find their meaning in their work, their, their, um, career or just the labor of their hands. Mm -hmm. Women used to find meaning in the work of their hands with their children. Their children were a reflection of if they were doing a good job societally, that's where they got meaning. And um, similarly, how their husband was doing, was he supported? Was he feeling like he could thrive and be the person he needed to be? I mean, that's reality. So, you know, men found meaning in building society they found meaning in career and in just building with their hands, whatever the time period was. Women, uh, like I said, found meaning there. Well, when the feminist movement started to say, women, go find your meaning in men's domain, for better or for worse, what that ended up doing is devaluing the meaning-making system of both men and women. Because, well, first, men were like, well, if if my meaning was was in this realm of work and provision... But now women can do it too. Like, what's my value? And yes, like, then you start thinking, well, this is just really hard work. Now, if I don't get any kind of status or meaning out of it, then what's the point? You know, it's like it's tolerable right. when, right? It's tolerable when you have some benefit or some reward. But when the reward is taken away, what's the point? You're just working your fingers to the bone with for nothing. And then for women, what happened was the message was, the only value you can do is to act like a man. And so what they, that ended up taking the meaning away from motherhood. Unfortunately, women who would otherwise have found a lot of meaning in motherhood and actually enjoyed it, even though it's a lot of work, it took the meaning away, which makes the question, why am I working my finger to the bone if nobody gives a crap? We are, you know, humans are meaning makers.
0: Absolutely. Um, I, I do want to just pause and I don't, I'll, I'll speak for myself, but I think that you probably agree. I'm not saying that every heterosexual couple has to behave in this way. And like the guy's got to go out and, you know, hunt game and the woman has to stay home with the kids, but it is a valid and historically useful way to be as a couple. And, um, it seems like that, that is being, Not just ignore but vilified as the wrong way to be and the right way is for both of you to go work And I guess leave your kids to low-wage daycare workers. I'm not sure what the or not have kids I don't know.
1: Yeah Well either one would be great because the state really does need to teach your children Anyway, if you can get the mom out of the house, you can get rid of all the conservatives
0: but (laughs) That's a good point (laughs) More more indoctrination hours per week. Yeah, exactly the communist way I'm um, sorry about
1: the background noise. My dog thinks someone's at the door.
0: That's Someone okay. We, Carrie is the, the queen of dog noises in the background, so it's all right.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, she has a few. So, uh, you know, regarding that. So here we are, post-feminist era. Men and women do similar things. Men can stay home with the kids. Women can go be CEOs. Fine, Right. right? Fine. But we haven't solved the meaning-making question. You know, and because the feminist voice is screeching so loudly, it's really hard to solve that question because they don't want it solved. They want power and they want women to access power. They're in a tribal warfare mentality, so they don't care if men find meaning. They don't want to value the home, because, so what if men go home and become stay-at-home dads? Like, they're not gonna focus on the amazingness of that. They're just gonna focus on the amazingness that this woman now gets to be the CEO. We, we have to, as a society, figure out how to maybe buffer that feminist screech and figure out on our own how men and women can make meaning. And it doesn't have to be in our own spheres any longer if men make their meaning this way. Women make their meaning that way, but in the process of all of this screeching, we th- what has been devalued is the family life, um, yeah. and what, like you said, what has been elevated is this working life of really, seriously, is this really what you want to value? It's hard, and it's not exactly glor- glorious, right?
0: Yeah, and and to me, the, the real tragedy is the children here, and I don't want to, like, I know that sounds like a cliche, but... Uh, it really is. like children benefit from a parent who's home taking care of them and not being thrown in daycare and not being, you know, ignored. And um but we are in this culture in which uh, you know, that's belittled. Both of you are supposed to go out work and pay taxes. And I mean, just think about it. I mentioned this the other day on a show. Um, think about it from the statist perspective. Like the government actually loves this, right? Because, in a traditional family, one person is out working, so they're paying income tax. The other person is home uh, taking care of a child, right? Well, if you get both parents out to work, now two people are paying income tax and they're paying someone else to watch their kids. So there's that's taxed. It's like this boom in tax mm-hmm. revenue. Uh, but mm-hmm. it has really negative long-term consequences. And people, I, it just seems to me that the the feminist movement in particular just doesn't seem to give a crap about kids at all. You never hear about how to be um, how to be a good mom and how to raise the next generation. Other than you know, put on a pussy hat and go come march with me. You don't actually hear how to um, how to do that, and there's no respect there. For no, them. they don't
1: really care if children are nurtured. Nurtured is a bad word, actually, and so because it's associated with motherhood, and they hate motherhood. Um, so if men are home and they're nurturing their kids, they could care less. But that is the real tragedy, actually, is children are not, people aren't being encouraged to to nurture their children. And it's not that children aren't nourished, but the, the fact is we need, as a society, we need to value that again. We don't need to value everybody thinking the same. In fact, this is why it is important for a parent to be home with their child, because if the parent is home with their child, we will continue to have people disagree with each other. If we if we put everybody in an institution we will create the dystopia that we're reading about for the book club right? right. which is, which is uh, Fahrenheit 451 the, the, you, you know, this dystopia of everybody even if they don't necessarily agree they know that they're not supposed to disagree and you have to toe the line And you really do need individuals at their home transmitting their values even if those values suck yep. you do, you really do
0: yeah. Don't no, because you need you need the disparate ideas. And, you know, you mentioned the Soviet Union earlier. Like this is the Soviet playbook, right? The 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 goal was to have children taken care of by the state. And it's something that you see progressively, you know, when we were kids, um, I don't think I don't think there was, like, state nursery schools very much. There was, like, kindergarten maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but now they're pushing, the, and now there's, like, oh, we have to provide nursery school. Oh, now we have to provide, like, something before then. And there's, like, there's pushes now by politicians to provide earlier and earlier and earlier free, quote, free childcare services to people. And that's really just a, a way to get the younger and younger kids into the system of the state earlier and earlier. And once you do that you just it's just an it's just indoctrination. It's just an indoctrination yeah. camp.
1: It is. And you read that email from the teacher that was at preschool recently that Carrie right. shared. You know, I mean, the preschool teacher is sending home the list of things they're going to indoctrinate preschool students with, and you're like, these are three- and four-year-olds. Are you serious? And they're giving these big concepts, and they're being told how to think of people as a skin color group, and, oh, it's just like, no, you need to preserve family life because this person over here is going to give their kid terrible ideas as far as you're concerned. This person over here is going to give them strange ideas and this one over here is going to give them great and amazing ideas and then this one over but you need a society of people that hear different messages and then when they're challenged they think for themselves they think well what's the difference between this and this well and then they start thinking for themselves society as a whole can do the work it takes to make new ideas but it takes all kinds of people even if the kinds of people that you don't like their ideas, even if they still exist, the idea is not to purge them. The idea is to just make it, make it, make everybody aware that their ideas are dumb and you can only do that if those ideas are allowed to exist.
0: (laughs) You know, one of the things that is important um, and I'm sure you do this as well, but like uh, one of my concerns with, with raising my daughter is um, I know she, gets a lot of information from me, and and uh, here's here's my opinions about things and stuff. So, um, you know, sometimes we we pause and just, I really make a concerted effort to say like, well, look, here's the other side of it. Here's the arguments as best as I can possibly present them on the other side. Like, you need to make up your own mind. Like, yeah, I, I get you hear what I'm saying, and I know that you want to kind of agree with me because I'm your dad, but you don't have to agree with me. And here's some of the great arguments, and I've, I'll point her to people in her life. I'll say, well, Go talk to your grandparents, who I know disagree with me on this issue. Go talk to your grandparents about that issue. See what they have to say. Make up your own mind. Don't just listen to what I'm saying about this. Go listen to your grandparents and see what they have to say about this issue. And then make up your own mind about this issue. Mm -hmm. And, you know, more often than not, she'll do that and come back and say, well, I disagree with my grandparents because they X, Y, and Z. I'm like, okay, that's fine. But you don't have to do it because I said it. Um, And that's that process of learning how to um, see both sides of issues um, is super important for cognitive de- development. Otherwise, you do just get little NPCs that grow up and pull the donkey lever or whatever it is when they hit 18.
1: Yeah, it's true, actually. Some people don't do a lot of critical thinking even after they leave their parents' house. They tow the line that they were given. And you know what? You know what? That just keeps our society diverse mentally. But, um, you know, it has to do probably with the openness of their personality or the closeness or whatever. But I do the same thing. I might not give the devil devil his due as often as I could. But in other words, I don't know that I make a clear, amazing argument for the other side. But I do tell my kids, you know, they are doing it because they think they're doing something beneficial. They actually think they're working. Well, at least they actually say that they're working against racism and sexism. And some people actually that believe this, some people actually think that they are but I disagree and here's why. So I don't necessarily give them all the arguments of what they would say because they're hearing it in school, but I tell them, I do tell them they actually think that they are doing the right thing. And I said, that's, and I actually add to the thought of believing you're doing the right thing. And I say, that's when people are the most dangerous is when they are just so certain that they are morally pure. When they are righteous, they are the most dangerous people because they don't think they can be wrong, and therefore, everything they do is okay. And you can be a dangerous person when you think that what everything you're doing is fine because you're righteous. Yep. So That's I awesome. don't—
0: Great, I, yeah. Good
1: yeah, point. I just make it general. I don't even point at them. I just say anybody because you can. You can do it on every angle.
0: Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Gracie, I know um, we wanted to keep this kind of short. It's not super short, so um, we can uh, we can end it here. But I really appreciate you coming on. I love these discussions with you. I feel like uh, this could be a whole separate channel. That I, I mean, it's not going to be. But like, I feel like we I yep. could have discussions about education constantly because there's just so much here, and it's so so important. Um, yes. So I really yes. appreciate your your coming on the show.
1: Oh, you're very welcome. Anytime.
0: Cool, all right, well, thank you everyone for watching. Please don't forget to like, subscribe. Um, Check that you are subscribed, because sometimes YouTube decides for you that you don't want to be subscribed to our channel. So you may need to resubscribe. So um, please don't forget to do that. If you'd like to contribute, you can go to unsafespace.com slash donate, and you can contribute to us through cryptocurrency or fiat currency or whatever. Uh, But at the least, if you like our content, please uh, share it around. Thanks everyone.